tribe of Judah became the Lamb of God on your behalf so that you can become a child of God. This is the good news. This is the one who's worthy of your worship. I'm going to give a message today that is going to change your life. I'm serious. I'm going to give you a message today that's going to change your life. And I'm serious about that. I want you to take notes, okay? So ask the Lord, you know, what he wants to speak to you guys today. And I'm very excited. I was telling my wife, I said, you know, in this last season I've been in, the season that I'm in, I'm meeting with generals of the faith that have done the things that God is calling me to do. So that's what I've been doing. So I was just in Baltimore with um, Bishop Bart Pierce and uh, an amazing, amazing, amazing man of God who has impacted the world so much. Him and his team were in Russia when the Soviet Union, when the wall came down, they're already there on a nursing kind of, they snuck in via saying we're, we're helping with medical. And so when the wall came down, they, they didn't really even know because they were already there. And so then they found out when they were like, what's going on? Where, where are all these people? Because there was this moving about that wasn't allowed before that was happening. And so anyways, they... Uh, they got to do, they went straight to a, a, a soccer field and they had a soccer ball and they started having all these kids come and then they invited their parents and then um, they started uh, doing crusades. These kids got saved, their families got saved and then they said, okay, come back and we're going to do a school. So they started training these young people, these older people. And they said, okay, we're going to come back in a month, but you, to come, you have to bring a friend. So by the end of the year, they had 10,000 students in the school of ministry that they started. And now, the, what's the Christian Broadcasting Network? What's that called? CBN? Equated 500 million salvations to that school. And so because of the Soviet Union, all the churches that were planted, the original ones that were planted, and if I go deeper in the story, you'll see why. It's because the head, the foreign affairs guy, got saved the first day that they, they found out the wall had came down because they're on the side of the road and they're looking for an interpreter. And this guy goes, hey, you guys, you guys speak English? And this guy ended up becoming the head of the foreign affairs for the new government. So anyway, so, um, so they led that guy to Christ and all this. And so then, hey, we want property. We want th they were permitted because they, God, you know, God gives these type of God things where the main people who are going to be able to decide that get saved, you know, the first day, you know, it's like so cool. I just love how God does. But anyways, we had a wonderful impartation in time with him. Um, and then this next week, I'll be going to Pennsylvania to be with uh, John Tesola, who is um, worked with him in that work. But um, these guys have launched their sons and daughters to plant thousands and thousands of churches and um, John Tesola has wrote, written over 200 books. And uh, he releases 12 books next month. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? I'm trying to release our first book. 
So <laughs> there's so much grace in the body of Christ, and we need to honor it. So that's the season I'm in. And so uh, because the Lord has me in a season where we're moving from a house to an apostolic center, meaning that a launching of other houses, okay? That's the season we're getting prepared to come into. And so the Lord has me in a season of meeting these men who have done that for 30, 40 years, you know? And so uh, not people I have thought, oh, I want to meet with them. It was the Spirit of God said that person and that person, you know? And so, um, so that's kind of a, a, but then what can happen is, is I'm like, man, I want to preach to the people. I love God. I love God's people. I love you guys. But then my heart is like, God's teaching me about the stuff that based on the season I'm in, which if I were to talk about that stuff, the vast majority of the people in the room would just be like, what are you talking about? Because it's not the season you're in. See what I'm saying? So you're like apostolic sinners, apostolic fault, you know, all this stuff. would be like two people in the room that are like, oh, this is good. Because that, you know, for the rest of you, it'd just be like, I'm like, I need help with my marriage. Right? So, so anyway, so, so I go, God, but don't, don't, don't cause me to draw into a season that, that I'm, I, I can't be in touch with what's going on with the people. And so, the, so then the Lord gives me a message about seasons. Because I'm in a season, and the Lord's like, talk to the people about seasons. I was like, well, everyone can relate to seasons because everyone has seasons. So it was a beautiful little uh, Yoda thing he did there. So, so I'm going to um, take us through this thing. And this message is going to help you because everyone is either in a season, c- coming out of a season, or heading into a season, right? I've said this to you before. You don't have a si- single period of your life that's not a season, okay? You have to understand that God has given times and seasons. And if you don't discern what season you're in, okay, then you'll, you'll just, con- you'll, it'll be uh, secular. You'll just keep doing it. You'll just keep doing it. And you're just like, nothing's changing. Yeah, because you haven't discerned what season you're in, Okay. So I want, to, I want you to see this. It says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. He says, to everything, there is a season. To everything, there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. And so I want you to know this. If God wants to do anything in your life, he's going to bring you into a season. That season, here's three things you want to know. There's a season. There's a purpose for that season, and there's a grace needed for that season. God wants to do something in your life. He's going to initiate a season. You have to discover what the purpose is for that season, and you have to acquire the grace you need to actually accomplish that season. Okay? So that's why I discovered what season I was in. God's like, you're going to go from a house to a hub, an apostolic house, family, to a, to a multi-family thing. That's what's about to happen. So I, have, I found out that's the, the, the purpose for the season is to actually mature me to understand why and what that's going to do and how that's going to change. But I'm going to go meet with these people because they have the grace. Okay? So I'm honoring them. I read their books. And I contacted them, asked if it would be okay if I'd come and spend a weekend with them. They said yes. They gave me the dates. I read their books. That's honor, 
I want you to know how grace is released. Honor. Okay? And then I brought a, a gift, a sacrifice, something that's hard to, to give. You know what I mean? It's like, and I'm blessing them, right? As he said, the, the seed can release a grace. Okay, so I went, I, I asked questions, and I listened, right? So that's honor as well, okay? So, so because I need the grace that's on their life, and I don't want it to take 15 years, let's say, like it might have taken them the first time they did that transition. I can gain it by, spent, by honoring them. I can gain the revelation. So I want you to see this. The scripture says this, honor your father and mother. And what does it say that will happen? Have a long life, Have a long life and it'll go well. So the long life and a well long life comes because of honor. So I want you to see that the that honor releases a grace, which is divine empowerment, to be able to do something. So, so that's a key for everyone in here, by the way. Y'all need to pass that season. Will you honor your mother and father? Will you go and clean up the mess you made because they weren't perfect, you failed the test, and you didn't honor them? Every season, you can write this down, every season is a test and a trap. It's a test from God, and it's a trap from the enemy. The, the, the devil didn't initiate it. He tried to take advantage of it. Okay? So Jesus, for example, goes into a season. He's fasting. He hears, he hears God speak. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit takes him into a season. A season away of fasting and prayer. What happens? The deceiver shows up. And he tries to trap him. If you be the son of God. God already said he was. And he's trying to trap him. Then do something in your own strength, right? So then shortcut the, the, the kingdom that God's going to give you. Just kneel to me and I'll give you it. Right? So he's trying to shortcut um, him. So I want you to recognize that when a season is initiated, there's going to be five things that I wrote down that will, this is good because yesterday Bradford asked me, we were uh, sitting together and he says, I, What's, what are you speaking on tomorrow? And I shared a little bit and he says, how do you know you're in a season? And I didn't have it written down. I was like, that's a great question. So here's five things, Bradford. You'll feel an unusual urge to pray. Number one, all of a sudden you're just like, I need to pray about this thing. Unusual urge to pray. Jesus got away. He was coming into a new season. What was Jesus' new season? He was getting ready to launch his ministry, wasn't he? He comes out endowed with the grace he needed. It says he came out endowed with power. He came out with the grace he needed. For him, who did he need to go meet with? The big guy, <laughs> dad, right? So he was isolating, getting away. So that's actually the second one. You'll feel an urge to get away, oftentimes to be alone, usually to pray, about this thing that you're trying to understand. So you'll, you need discernment to be able to understand these, these things. You need to discern, why, why am I just feeling I need to pray? Why am I feeling like kind of isolating a little bit to kind of figure this thing out, okay? So discernment is what you need, but first you feel an urge to pray, and oftentimes to kind of get away. Um, usually attacks of the enemy will come. An, an unusual attack will come. 
the enemy. Now this is, let me just give you kind of most likely what's happening in the spirit realm, okay? If you could see in the spirit realm, you'd be like, there is way more going on than I realized on earth, okay? We make everything so natural, okay? There's more spiritual going on than you realize, okay? So the enemy doesn't know, he's not, he doesn't know everything, but he can see in the spirit, right? He is a spirit, he sees in the spirit. So if God will initiate a new season with a word, okay? He'll give, and this is one of the ones you can write down, a, the, the prophetic word. It doesn't have to come from a prophet, right? That you, under, you need to understand this. The spirit of prophecy, you have the spirit of God. And every spiritual blessing in heavenly places has been given to you in Christ Jesus, right? Ephesians. So, so you can receive it. The, 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 the scripture talks about two ways that the spirit of prophecy often works, right? Either a bubbling up or a coming down, okay? There are two different words in, 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 words in Hebrew. The bubbling up, some of the prophets are called that, right? Where the spirit bubbles up, it means to bubble up. And then sometimes it comes down, okay? So, so meaning an atmosphere is opened and the spirit gives a word, okay? So, the, so Elisha, he operated under that where, where it comes down. Usually it's activated by worship. That's why Elisha is asked to give a word. He says, do you have a, a, a minstrel? Someone that plays music. And he says, yeah, we have one. He says, bring him here and I'll prophesy. So he begins to play music and the spirit opens up and he's able to get a word. Okay. So then there's, there's, there's the kind that bubbles up or atmospheres open. That's why oftentimes, like last week during worship at the end of it, I said, hey, keep going. I said, hey, third years come forward. Do you have anything? And they prophesy. Okay. Because it's divine, prophecy is divine speech. Okay. So it's, it's, it's from the spirit, but you can get it within you when you say, when anytime someone says, I felt like God was saying this to me, that's prophetic. That's, it's a, a spirit inspired speech. God is saying, Hey, do this, go give this to them. Hey, they need a hug. Could be something is, is that cause it's supposed to encourage, right? Edify, build up. Okay. So that's what the spirit of prophecy is supposed to do. First Corinthians chapter 14. So anyways, you'll get a prophetic utterance from the Lord. Now, that's why the enemy knows what's going on. Because where does that come from? Oftentimes, the spirit realm is delivering that, whether angels or whatever it is. And the demonic forces are like, there's a lot of activity around Bradford right now. Oh, a new season's come. So they're watching to discern, because they don't know everything. They don't know a new season started for Bradford. The way they know is there's a whole lot of God activity around that person. And they go, oh, let's stop it. What did it say about Jesus? The angels were ministering to him. So Satan's like, oh, hey, what's going on? Okay? So you have to be able to, to see these things. Some of that's deep for some of you, and you're like, what is he talking about? Um, so just take what you can take out of what I'm saying, but you'll start to kind of begin to, because of your isolation, getting away in a time of prayer, you'll begin to go like, oh, I actually, I think this is the area God wants me to grow in this season. Okay? For me, this is one that's just from, from me that I think is probably from many of you. I usually, because of my grace as a teacher, I'll usually begin to be drawn to like stop reading certain places in the scripture and a shift in where I've been studying with the Lord. So the Lord has me going through, let's say, Psalms, and all of a sudden he's like, Phew. I'm like, Genesis? And all of a sudden I'm like focused on Abraham, 
And I'm like, oh yeah, Abraham went from like a one family to like a, a multifamily and that's the season we're in, right? So I was like, oh, but he shifted away from something. I was really having wonderful time with God, communion with God. He's speaking to me through his word and all of a sudden it's dead. There's nothing on it. It's not bubbling. It's just like, it's just like the life is taken out of the words. And all of a sudden I have this feeling, go read Genesis, go read Genesis, go read Genesis, go read Genesis. And I'm like ignoring it. No, this was so good yesterday. And God's like, yeah. And guess what's going to be good today? Genesis, go. So, so I'll, I, sometimes I'm reading a book. I'll be reading this author and it's blessing me. It's so good. And, and all of a sudden, poof, dries up. I don't want to read the book. And all of a sudden, this one book that I have that I've been wanting to read from the past, whatever, it's on my shelf, highlighted. So I'm discerning. That's what I'm saying. To understand your season, you need to have discernment. To have discernment, you have to have a level of relationship with Holy Spirit. Okay? So these, these are things that, that um, you, need to, you need to discern. What season? This is a question I want to ask you. What season are you in? What is God trying to do? What's the purpose of that season? And what grace do you need to be able to accomplish that? Okay? For example, some of you, God's trying to get you to grow in your marriage. Husbands, to love your wives at another level. And you're just having so much struggles in your marriage. That's the attack I was talking about. Okay? So you start to go, okay, I, last season, was an amazing husband. And it seems like I'm failing all the time. I'm saying stuff I didn't mean to say. It's being taken the wrong way. It's being twisted. And God's like, he's focused because he wants to bring you to a deeper level of intimacy together. And the enemy's taken as an opportunity to destroy Okay, and so you, you start to pray for your marriage. All right, so discern that you're in a season. Everyone in this room is in a season. You're either finishing a season, entering a season, or you're in a season. But what is the purpose of that season? Okay, there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. Okay, so my kids had a season where they had to learn how to tie their shoes. And at, at 13, if my son's like, Dad, help me tie my shoe, I'm like, that season is over. Tie your own shoe, okay? So, do you see what I'm saying? Some of you are still thinking you're in this season over here. Do you know the grace lifts when you're not in that season anymore? God was so merciful to you when you were in that last season. If you were supposed to learn something and you did not learn it and the season passes, the grace is gone. So if my son's still like, Dad, trying to use his little five-year-old voice, can you tie my shoe? No. Tie your own shoe. I don't know how to. You're 13. Figure it out. We've been doing this for six years. You're past due. No more grace. Figure it out. You know, you see what I'm saying? It's actually good that I do that. Otherwise, he'll still use me when he's actually supposed to be growing and maturing. Okay? So that's some of these things. When you feel like you had so much grace in a, a certain area and all of a sudden that grace is lifted, usually it's like you didn't pass the... God was trying to... You didn't discern you were in a season... And you didn't discover what the purpose of that season was. And you didn't partner with God for him to accomplish his purpose. So if you don't discern, if you don't grow in discernment, what will happen is you'll never become what God intended you to become. And you'll never be a part of what God wanted you to be a part of. And you'll never accomplish what God wanted you to accomplish. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible thought, right? He said, no, I want to accomplish. Say this with me. I want to accomplish the purpose God has for my life. So Holy Spirit... 
Give me discernment of what season I'm in and what purpose you have for it. Show me where the grace is in Jesus' name. Oftentimes, the grace is either with, with, with God. Here's the thing. To grow in discernment, to be able to operate under the discernment, you have to be a believer. Okay? Now, you can discern in the spiritual realm and not be a believer. It's just not going to be, I don't advise it. Okay? Because it's called witchcraft. So, but as a believer, you have to have these three encounters to be able to begin to, to partner with God. Encounter with His Son. An encounter with Holy Spirit and an encounter with His Word. And the Word is going to become the foundation to everything in your life. Okay? And so Holy Spirit's going to begin to lead you through the Word, but the faith was created because of these encounters with Him, the person of Jesus. Amen? So it, a lot of people are believers, but they haven't had these encounters. Many people in the church today have had encounters with Jesus and with the Word. But as Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? Is the, who's God on earth right now? Holy Spirit. Where's Jesus? The right hand of the Father, okay? So the Father's on his throne. Jesus is at his right hand. And the one as God on earth right now is Holy Spirit. So it's pretty awkward for certain parts of the church who don't want to honor Holy Spirit, okay? So... We need to, to kind of like be careful that the religious spirit doesn't convince you to view, because the religious spirit is a demonic spirit, by the way. It's not, so the religious spirit is a demonic spirit. And it wants to view, it wants you to view God's stuff the way he views it. Okay, so be careful. I'm going to get into that in a minute. I'm not going to go through every season that you're going to have, but I just want to make sure you understand one thing that will always happen when the promises of God are going to be fulfilled in your life. God gives you a prophetic word. I'm going to do this in your life. You almost always go through this season, and it's a season of waiting. If you don't expect that there will be a season of waiting, then the enemy, will, you'll, you'll fail the test, and it will be a trap to you. Because you'll get discouraged and you'll say, the prophet was a liar. The dream was a lie. The word of God, when I read it and I felt that like God wants to do that for me, it, was, it wasn't true because you didn't expect to wait. Okay? So I just wanted to give that one. I'm not going to give all the different seasons you can go through, but I promise you that season's going to come. Now, actually, I'll give you this. Man, I have so much to give. We've talked about this. I've taught Bradford this, and then we've taught this um, on a regular basis. There's three things that I think every person has to, to these are the culture of the kingdom. The kingdom is the reign and rule of God. The culture of the kingdom, three chord string of culture, love, humility, and honor. There will be a test. You'll go through a season to discover that you are loved. You, that's our whole first year, by the way, school of ministry. It's for you to know who you are in Christ. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He views you as a son, not as an orphan. You need to view yourself as a son and daughter, not as an orphan. Amen? So you have to have an encounter with the love of God. And that comes through the person of Jesus, okay? So, so uh, number, number, number two, humility. What happens is, is you have to come to a place to recognize, I'm in the same boat as every other person here. If it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the mercy of God, 
I am on my way to hell. It was because of his mercy and his grace. Not because of my good works, but because of his and my surrender to it. That was it. All I had to do was surrender. Just say, yes, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this without you. Take the wheel, Jesus. I give you my life. Amen. All of us had to do that. I've got to be so blessed to be a part of so many of your moments where you got to do that. I envied my pastor. I envied him. I was watching people come and give their lives to Christ. And I made this statement in my head. He's got the coolest job ever. And all of a sudden, I don't know where all this prophetic words started coming. God's called you. God's called you. God's called you. God's called you. I was like, dang it. Be careful what you say in your head. So, but now I've been able to look around this room and see like, I got to be a part of that moment. Directly or indirectly, I got to be a part of that moment where you came into the kingdom. And that's like the best thing ever that you would come to know that God loves you. But my hope is, is that you would, it would cause a humility in you. Right? Where you recognize God is so merciful. He's so merciful. And if he says something great about you, that's awesome. But like, he's so merciful that he would even think that. Okay? So I don't go, you know, people say, uh, Apostle Tom. The word apostle means sent one. Okay? God has sent me here to establish a family. That's my function. Okay? My name doesn't have apostle in it. Okay? My name is Tom. But the function of what God has sent me to do, functions are important, okay? So my function is to establish the family of God, okay? It's not to write new scripture. No one's doing that, okay? If they're doing it, they're heretic, run, okay? No, it's to establish. Their whole function was to establish, okay? So I don't go, whoa, I'm this. No, Paul says actually apostles are the least. They're the foundation. Everything, all the stuff rolls downhill onto them, okay? He says, dead or half dead or shipwrecked or beaten or, you know, spoken against, all of it, okay? It's not this high and kind of whatever. No, mom and dad is a hard job, isn't it? Okay, the rest of y'all are parents. Mom and dad is a hard job. And kids don't always think mom and dad are great, okay? And so, so that God's saying, actually, I want you to do that for people twice your age, Ponder that job. Ponder that job. Okay? So it's not this thing of like, oh, I'm this, treat me this way. You can't demand that. Leaders inspire leadership. They don't demand it. Okay? So you have to, you have to recognize that this is, this is a, a humbling thing. Okay? And so you have to humble yourself towards your spouse. You have to humble your, you know, oh, they, they did this and they did that. Yeah, so have you. So humble yourself and see your own stuff, okay? So, so, and then honor, all right? So then we have to see the value in other people. You'll go through each one of these seasons. You have to. And by the way, most of us will go through deeper levels of those seasons. Will you honor your spouse? Will you, will you, will you humble yourself? Seasons. To go up, you have to go down. So to the level of your humility, of you going down, will be to the level of which God lifts you up, okay? So it's amazing. I meet these people that people will put the function of apostle on, the most humble people I've ever met. But people will say, oh, no, because we think of it differently. No, those are probably so-called apostles that would try to lift themselves up. 
Because you can't lift yourself up. God has to lift you up. Okay? And so, so this is where I would think, okay, these guys have transformed the nations. Celebrate. Someone just got baptized. Jesus! Thank you, Lord. We just declare a new season. So, so the... Okay, I got to keep moving. I got way too much. Okay, I got way more than that. That's like literally the, f- the first part of my message. Okay, here's what I want you to see, okay. There are laws. To understand, so you're in a season. Who's in a season? Let me see. Oh, all of you, okay. So will you discern what season you're in? What's the purpose of that season? What do you say? Every time has a purpose, okay? So you have to discern what the purpose is. If you're in first year, I promise you, the person you're supposed to receive from and honor is Bradford. He's the director of it. If you honor him, the grace that's on his life, even behind the revelation of what he's trying to teach, will be released. So people who don't like this idea that we have to honor man, it's like, you haven't read the Bible at all. Big zero. You have not read it. Yeah. Right? You guys, there's some in this room I can see you're like, uh... The vast majority, I know that you're with me, but I'm just saying, you need to understand this. You, the, the culture of the kingdom is honor. You don't just honor Bradford because of his position. I hope you're honoring everyone in your small group if you're in a student in the school ministry. You're honoring everyone in this church. I don't get to dishonor. I never get to the point where, you know, people, you know, you're an oh, I don't have to honor people anymore. I'd be demoted in the spirit realm so fast. I might still have your title of it, but in the spirit realm, I've lost something. Okay, so this is a spiritual thing first, okay? So you have to recognize that if you already have this thing where it's like, well, I see Bradford's shortcomings. Uh, Something was taken from your ability to receive like that. You better repent. If you're going to fulfill the purpose God has for you in that season, you better repent. And say, Lord, give me eyes to see the way you see. Otherwise, the grace is removed. This is what you see with Korah when they spoke against Moses. With Miriam, she spoke against Moses. <laughs> Not good. Okay? So be very careful how you treat your spouse. What, did, what does Peter say? He says, your prayers are hindered because of how you treat your wives. There's so much going on in the spirit realm, I can't even get into that. But let me just go this. There's laws. The law of heaven is actually supposed to rule over the laws of the earth. Not by everyone, but by the children of God. You have to have an encounter with Jesus, Holy Spirit, and his word. Then you can operate under this. The scripture talks about God conceals a matter, but it's for kings to search it out. Who's with me? It's, it's, it's for God to conceal a matter. And he says, but it's for kings to search it out. Okay? Who, any priests and kings here? Yeah, ever, if you're a believer, your hands should be up. The Bible says you're, you're, you're now a part of uh, your priests and kings to his God. That's what he says in Revelation. Your priests and kings to his God. So that's a cool. Okay, so you're given, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the spirit of God. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared, except for those, he goes on to say, that receives his spirit. He says, no one can know a man's thought but by, but by his spirit. And he says, no one can know God's thoughts but by his spirit. And he says, you haven't received the spirit of this world, but the spirit of God. And he goes on to say, so that you can have the mind of Christ. Whew, beautiful. Okay, so 
So by the Spirit, you have to discern what season and what's the purpose. Where's the grace? Who do I need to honor? But then you need to understand this. There's laws that govern. Love, humility, and honor are laws in the, in, in the spirit realm, okay? So if I go pride, what happens? <laughs> Brought down. So that's a law in the heavens, and it will govern my life on earth. If I break that law, <laughs> doesn't care. If I jump off of here, whether I, I like it or not, Okay, the law of earth will take over. If I break the laws of heaven, the laws of earth will take over. They, they will, they will, the, the heaven's laws will be in effect and it will affect me naturally. So if I choose to go to pride and say, serve me, you're my wife. You just do what I say. I guarantee you like that, my prayers are like, Poof. door in heaven's like, Doosh. padlock. I'm like, hey, dad, what does this feel different? You know, it's like, how come I feel like you're not listening? He's like, I don't, yeah, the door and the window have been shut. You have dishonored and you've passed into a place that's not my kingdom. What do I have to do? Repent to him and restore connection and the doors of heaven will begin to open. Okay? So don't, you need to understand what the laws of heaven are because some of you are breaking them not knowing. Okay? So this is what the scripture says. Job 38. Job 38, verse 33. I need you to know there's laws for everything you want in your life. There's a law for it. I have it. Let's get it on the screen in the NIV. Joshua, can you give me the, the Job 38, 33 in NIV? Very important. NIV. I encourage you to have the Blue Letter Bible. It's an app that you have on your phone. You can click on the verse and it'll give you what it's either in Hebrew or Greek. Give you what the word is actually because English is trying to do its best. So I like multiple translations. But more than anything, I like to just go to the Hebrew or the Greek. What's this word actually saying, okay? So that's why I said NIV because in the New King James and certain ones, it doesn't say it. When you go to the Hebrew, you go, that's not the best word. I don't know what that translator was thinking. So I really like the NIV on this. Look what he says. Do you know the laws of the heaven? Do you know the laws of the heaven? One, did you know that heaven has laws? And he says, do you know them? Check this out. And can you set up God's dominion over the earth? When it's, can, you, can you give me the amplified? You don't have it? Repent. So it says this. Pay the $10 and get it. Okay, so it says this. Do you know the ordinances of heaven, right? The NIV talks about laws, laws and ordinances. And he says, and can you establish their rule upon the earth? Here's what he's saying. Heaven has laws. And he says, Job, do you know how to use them to govern the earth? Do you know what heaven's laws are and do you know how to use them to govern the earth? Whoa, this is, we're going deep. Okay, so there's laws for healing. Heaven has laws on healing. Do you know I prayed for people a lot when, after I got saved because I saw healing right away when I got saved. And I saw people healed. But I didn't, this is the thing. People will stumble into a law and see its effect. 
You'll see healing, but it was on accident because you didn't know you activated a law. So you go to pray again, but you don't pray the same way and in the way that would activate that law, and you won't see it. Because you accidentally stumbled into it, and you activated something. Right? If someone didn't know when you plug something into the wall, it turns on the fan or whatever, right? You didn't know that, but it accidentally touches an open power source, and it turns on the fan, and you're like, whoa, and then it moves, and you're like, oh. And all you have to understand is the law of power and current, right? So then you just go, oh, no, this is what you need to do, right? The remote control, if you're sitting on it, it's changing the channel, and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's an angel here, you know? No, you're sitting on the remote, right? So some of you have activated laws not knowing it. I want you to know the laws. I want you to become those who are um, uh, mature by discerning. It's given to you as a king to search out the laws of heaven. God wasn't saying to Job he couldn't know them. He's asking if he does know them. The next verse goes on to talk about lightning. Can you tell it where to go? Not saying he can't. Saying, do you know how to use that law? He says, Job, you're so wise. Tell me. Do you know Elisha called down fire from heaven? Moses parted the sea. Elijah parted the river. How did they do this? Elisha called for rain and it rained. Called for it to stop and it stopped. Do you understand the laws of heaven? And can you use them to govern the earth? I've shared this many times that when I got the job building cell phone towers, I was taking care of my little brother. I didn't have a lot of money. Teenagers eat a lot. So I was 19 years old and I took in my 14-year-old brother. And man, he was eating me out of house and home. And so I didn't have a lot of extra money. I bought a car and I had this, some of this stuff for the first time in my life. So I didn't have the amount I needed how many of you bought really nice rain gear that actually keeps you dry? Yeah, it's expensive. So I'm like 19, I'm like $350. I was like, okay, yeah, that's like rent, you know? So, so I didn't do it. But what I did instead was I activated a law of heaven because someone told me they were able to, so I prayed. And I prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And the first day I was like, that's pretty cool. Because it was supposed to rain. You know, the forecast said rain. But I prayed and it didn't rain. So then I, the next day, it's supposed to rain again. I prayed, it didn't rain, it didn't rain. And I was like, so I said something. I'm like, Joseph, I said something. You know, you get yourself in trouble when you say, say stuff. So now these guys I thought were believers, they are, but just not the same level. And they start mocking me. You think God, you know, like, like, how dare you think God hears your prayers? And so it's pouring. It's pouring. They're mocking me. And I just sit there quietly. And I just say, God, I don't, don't do it so that they're embarrassed or this or that. But I do not want to work in the rain again. To, you know, I don't want to work in the rain. So I ask that you would. I just humble myself, make sure I wasn't like, do it just just, just to show them. You know, I, I, was, I know that God doesn't listen to that. So I, I just protect my heart. I said, God, I really would like not to work. But you see the trap the enemy tried to set for me? To be offended and then to pray out of a place of offense? 
Many of you are praying out of a place of offense in your prayers are not being heard. That was for someone. Okay. So, so I get there. We stop the car and they're laughing. They're still, the whole way they mocked me. They're like, oh, look at the rain, Tom. Shut off the vehicle. Rain stops. We get out. Clouds apart. Sunny. This happens for three years. I'm telling you, these guys gave their lives to Jesus. And I've shared this. Some of them are missionaries in Papua New Guinea now. Because they asked me after a while, would you pray? It's supposed to snow six inches. We're supposed to be on this tower tonight. We're working all the way through the night. It's supposed to snow six inches tonight. And I, they said, will you pray? They were Baptists. So they were like, I'm like, wow, they're asking me for prayer. Because they were the ones mocking me. And they were just kind of taught, you know, God's not really in the business of doing that. Because they hadn't activated how heaven operates. They were, they were trying to use a law. Because they told me, we prayed for my dad's arm and it didn't get healed. We did this. And so they stopped praying. Because they didn't know how to activate the law. Then the law must be a lie. And I just never would go to that conclusion. I would just say, my car is supposed to start. But it's not. But it's designed to start. So I need to figure out why it's not, right? We, we naturally make that in the earthly realm, but somehow in the heavenlies we... So, so then, uh, you know, we were just in Burkina. Almost every time in Burkina, I ruined Jared's, I've ruined Jared's day a couple times. Because twice. Two times. Two times. <laughs> he did, did a youth camp. And in this youth camp, it needs to be nice out. We don't need to rain. Listen, in Africa, the ground is often either sand or clay. At least where I work in Sub-Sahara. Sand or clay. Listen, the where we're mostly at, it's clay. What happens? Some of you don't know. What happens when it rains on clay? It is a mess. And then it dries. And if you drove a car through that clay that's going to turn to basically like stone once it dries. So those big rivets you made become what cars have to now dry over. It's just crazy. So anyways, it's dry, hasn't rained. Their seed is in the earth, but it's going to die if it doesn't rain. And the chief says to me, he says, I would do, he's a Muslim. He's the imam. He's the Muslim pastor. And I think Jared was there. Were you there when I prayed this? Okay. So then I said, I said, do you want it to rain? He said, I would give anything. I would give, what did he say, my legs? or something? He, said, he said something like that. I'll give anything for rain. I said, well, we'll pray in Jesus' name. It'll rain today. And he says, pray. I said, okay, I'll pray. Pray. I leave. An hour later, pouring. Just pouring. Well, Jared was supposed to have a youth camp. Jared's like, did you pray? I said, I'm sorry. The chief owes me his legs. So... His son comes running because his son was there to me. And he looked with me with fear in his eyes. And he said, you prayed. And I said, yeah. He says, it's raining. I said, yeah. And he just sat there like, didn't have a box for it. Because they pray to Muhammad all the time. But in a moment of prayer to Jesus, heaven pours out. So... So I've got to do that with every one of these chiefs because that's the issue, right? It needs to rain. If it doesn't rain, their crops die, they die. They don't have savings, okay? They have seed in the ground. 
So it's just a beautiful thing to understand the keys of the laws of heaven and how to use them to govern the earth. Okay. So anyways, there's a lot of healing. I was praying for a long time, seeing no healing. I see it once a year. And then Romeo says to me, well, no, don't pray like that. Pray like this. Boom, I started seeing healing. And I was like, are you kidding me this whole time? It was just, it was semantics. I was upset. I was kind of offended. It was semantics. I was asking God to do something he told me to do. It was semantics. He's like, it's like, it's like, it's like me trying to pass off what God's called me to do with this job or with anything else. Right? Not good. I'm not, no, God said, I told you to do this. You're asking me to do your job. I said, you go pray for the sick. You go lay hands on the sick. And so when I saw that Jesus never asked the father to do that, Peter never asked the father, gay beautiful, he said, get up and walk. I just saw that how he prayed, I searched the scripture. I don't want to do something weird. I don't want to be a weird Christian. I don't want to be doing something that's not in the scriptures. So when he told me that, I go, all these verses start coming up because I've had an encounter with the word of God. He uses, by the Holy Spirit, he brings to my memory all the scriptures, which is what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, right? Remind you of everything I've... So he brings it to my mind. Peter brings it to my mind. Every time he says, rise up and walk. When he says to the guy with the, the mat, right? He says, your sins, to show you that the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins, rise up and walk. Take up your mat, go home. He didn't say, oh God. Even with Lazarus, when he does pray, he says, I only do this for those who are listening. He says, Lazarus, come out. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's true. So I was actually trying to use the wrong key. If I try to use my Honda Fit key to start my, my, my Dodge, it won't work. I was using the wrong key. Okay, so this is key to poverty and to prosperity. And prosperity is not just money, by the way. It's to abound. Do you know God wants you to abound? In every area of your life, he wants you to, your marriage to abound. There's laws to it, though. Do you know them? There's laws to joy and to depression. When you break the laws, then the other one takes effect. So this is what it says in the NLT. Do you know the laws of the universe, and can you use them to regulate the earth? So I want to I mature people. Amen. I want to mature people who have had an encounter with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, with his word, and can begin to use them to regulate the earth. It's what Joshua did when he told the sun to stand still. You guys know that Joshua told the sun to stand still. And it did. Whew. But in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, you want me to preach faster? I'm going to try. Okay. So he says, <laughs> now it should come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you, uh, uh, set you high above the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. So, so um, this is the, the laws of heaven he has given him. So that the blessing will overtake him on earth. And he'll set him above the things on the earth. Amen? You know you've been seated in heavenly places. But in verse 15, he gives him what will happen if we don't. 
He says, but if it shall come to pass and you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands and his statutes, which I have commanded you today, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. So, so the laws of heaven are activated by obedience. You have to understand how they work, but they're, they, they, they're released by obedience. But earth's laws are by disobedience. So the blessing and the curse, obedience, disobedience. Okay? We have to understand these things when we come into seasons so we know how to, to get through the season. Okay? Each season, actually, oftentimes with seasons, he'll use the season to try to, to teach you heaven's keys. I might be in a season of being humbled because he's trying to teach me the power of humility. Amen? I'd be in a season where I need to love and I need to honor. Many people have left a season where the season wasn't finished and they went back into the season because they didn't discern what season they're in. I don't want that for you. Say, that's not for me. I'm going to discern the season and the purpose for the season in Jesus' name. Okay, now we're going to come to this. Now I'm going to give you, you need to understand this. So first that you're in a season, the purpose, the, where do I get the grace? Laws of heaven. What are they? How to use them to govern my life? I want you to know this. The enemy has a purpose and a mission for your life. And so does God. John 10.10, 10, what does it say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus says, have come that you may have life and it more abundantly. Now, okay, that sounds so cute. It should be on a pillow, right? Many of you are like, I have that pillow. So um, that's awesome, but I want to look at the Greek words, okay? Because like I said, it sounds nice, but actually a key is in there. A key is in there, but we use, I would say almost the most of what's going on in, in this verse is in, again, a blue letter Bible or a, a, a Greek concordance. Use Strong's, or you can get the, the Hebrew and the Greek. Um, but Blue Letter Bible have the, the, uses those. It's just an app, so it's in your hand. It's wonderful. So we can look at what the word, when he says steal. What does the word steal mean? In, in, what is it in Greek? You, you actually know the word. When someone says you're a klepto, that's a Greek word. That's the word being used here. Klepto. But what does the word klepto mean? So the word klepto means to steal, but it means to take what's not yours. But it, 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 the emphasis on the word is actually how you do it. The cunning way that you're able to take without someone knowing. So he is a klepto. Satan's a klepto. And he's able to take from you without you knowing it. Anyone ever have this happen? So I was in a subway in Paris. I'm sitting there. I've shared this story, I think, with the disciples before. I'm sitting there. You know, I'm like this. I'm standing there. And I've got all this luggage and all this stuff. I'm on my way to, to Burkina. And I look down, and there's a man with his hand in, his, in my pocket. I didn't feel it. I just happened to look down. Now, listen, I'm saved. And the way I know I'm saved is because that guy is still alive. <laughs> That's how I know I'm saved. I didn't hit him or nothing. 
I was so proud of myself. So I was, because where I grew up, I would have put my thumb through his eye socket. So that's a real story. I, I, that's how I grew up. I grew up. You trespass the law. And there's consequences and repercussions. So, so that's, how I, that's really how I grew up. And Jesus, when he saved me, I, didn't even, I just looked at him. And he's, oh, scoozy, scoozy. Scoozy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm serious. That's why he says scoozy, scoozy. Like a movie is like this is. But the crazy thing is, is I, his hand was in my pocket, and I, was, I I think about that. That's what it means. He was able to get his hand all the way into my pocket. He was pulling something out. He was trying to get my phone or something, and I didn't even know it. And I never thought that was possible, that someone could touch me, have his hand all up in my stuff, and I wouldn't even, my brain wouldn't even trigger. That's what was going on. I said, wow, that's what it is. The ability to take something from you without you noticing. That's what Satan does. I want to walk through some of these because it's important. And the enemy is taking stuff from you. And some of you don't know it. I want you to notice this first, that Jesus is the one that introduces what Satan's mission is. Satan does not introduce his mission. Jesus introduces his mission. Why? Because it says in Ephesians chapter 6 that he's, he, he calls Satan, he says, ruler of darkness. That's what it says. It says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness. All of his work is done in darkness. He's not like, hey, I'm going to take from you today, okay? Just want to let you know I'm going to take your stuff. Nah, he's like, nah, nothing's bad. Everything's good. Don't look over here. Nothing's going on. Boom. He's got it from you, okay? So he is a klepto. He is creative in how he takes from you. He's not going to let you know. But God loves you so much that he told you, here's what he's up to, okay? But as long as you stay in darkness, the enemy's so happy. As long as you stay ignorant to the schemes of the devil, he's so happy. As long as you stay ignorant to how heaven's laws operate and how earth's laws operate, he's so happy. He's going to take from you every time and there won't be anything you can do because you can't discern the enemy's activity. I want you to become mature, to be able to discern the devil's activity so you can stop him because you actually have the authority to stop him. But if you don't know he's there and you don't know what he's doing, he'll take it every time. Okay, so I want you to see this, that the, the, there's a couple ways that he, he does this. I think one of the ways he does it is by injecting negative thoughts. This is one of the ways he steals from you. I wrote this down. He, he, he injects negative thoughts. And you accept that thought knowing, not knowing it's from him. He begins to steal your joy. He begins to steal your peace. He's injected something and he took something from you. He replaced it. What is that, Indiana Jones? We got to swap them out quickly so, so that it doesn't register so that arrows don't kill them, right? Haven't seen it since 91, but I think it's in there. So, so, 
I think yeah, those movies all blur. I think like in my mind, they're one movie, but I know there's like six of them now, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure Sean Connery's in, in all of them. No, maybe one. I'm not sure. So anyways, there's arrows in all of them. So, so, but he'll take it, but he'll replace it with something, but he does it like that. But the way he did it was by injecting a thought that you agreed with. That's why you have to guard this here. He'll inject negative thoughts and he'll steal from you without you knowing, without you knowing it. Even negative belief systems. The Bible says, as a man thinketh. So he'll get you to believe something and he'll, you, you, that belief system will lead your life away from the promises of God. And he's stolen from many people in that way. I want you to look at this next word. To kill. Do you know what the word is in Greek? Who has their blue letter Bible already? Good job. So it's, 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 it's spelt kind of funny. T-H-U-O, right? Y-O. But the word doesn't mean to kill. You say, wait, but it says to kill. It means to sacrifice or to lay down as an offering. He comes to take something from you. But if he's not able to take it, he's going to get you to lay it down. How does he do that? He, if he can't take it from you, he's going to work for you to give up on it. So many people have given up on their marriage. He couldn't take it. But he got you to walk away from it and lay it down. Now he took it. That dream, that prophetic word, that thing that God came to you that God wanted to do. And you were believing, I'm going to have a child. The word of the Lord has come. They said we couldn't have kids. I'm going to have a child. A year goes by. This is that, that waiting, right? And you fail because he's going to trap you and begin to inject negative thoughts. Not going to happen. They were lying. You can't have kids. Remember what the doctor said? And he injects a negative demonic belief systems, and then you lay down that dream and that word, and you stop believing, you stop praying, you stop contending, and he takes it from you. God has given many words that he plans to execute his promises, but in his timing, but the enemy in between comes to steal. If he can't take it from you, he wants to discourage you, so you lay it down. By injecting negative, by stress. I just can't do this anymore. Okay, he's done this to many people. People have walked away from their calls. And then there's the word to destroy. What's the Greek word there? To destroy. Can you say it? It's a little different. It's a little weird. So this word... Destroy means to ruin a thing. Do you see it there? To ruin a thing. So he wants to actually, if you go home today and your house or your apartment is ruined, someone's gone through it and just to ruin it, or you left the water on. This happened to us. We went to go look at a house. I can't believe it. That house, we looked at this five-bedroom house. This is back when we had no money. We looked at this five-bedroom. It was during 2009. Remember what happened? Crash. 
You could buy a house that's right now for like 800,000 for like 200 grand. It was crazy. This house was on, the, on a lake, newly built on a lake with a dock, two acres, 3,000 square feet, five bedrooms, $220,000. I was like, I can only afford 215. <laughs> you know, that's all I had. That's all I, I was like, man, I'm so close. You know what that house is worth now? Anyway, so we went to look at it. We're the only one looking at it because there, there were a dime a dozen. There was a, there was a thousand homes. There's a thousand homes like that. And uh, so we went to go look at it. We were going to get it. And when the realtor um, had the power turned on, he didn't realize it was a, a well. So what happens? The well's activated. The night before, someone stole all of the fixtures so the water is just shooting water all day into the whole house, destroys it. So anyways, wasn't what the Lord had for us, but <laughs> it was owned by the bank. So the bank's like, dang it. So anyways, so, so it destroyed it. It ruined it. Okay. Here's what I want you to see. If he can't take it from you, the way he gets you to lay it down is by getting you to despise a thing. That's what it really means is to, to not think it good anymore. To ruin it. This is how many marriages have felt, just been destroyed. You just, you no longer, no longer is it, is it desirable. It's ruined. You lay it down. He steals it. See how he works? Many people have begun to despise their calling and walk away from it. This is what happened in a diet. Anyone try to diet and then like a whole week, you don't lose nothing, but you've been eating like a bird. And you said, that's it. We're getting, you know, and you just go and you ruin your diet. You despise it because you had a setback. So he'll use delay. He'll use these things. And all of a sudden you walk away from it. And you abandon it. He's done this to so many people. He's trying to do it to you. This is how he works. Get you to despise the thing. So it's no longer valuable. So you choose to lay it down so he can take it from you. Someone say, that's not, not for me. That's not for me. Say, devil, you're not going to take from me. You're not going to get me to despise what God has given me. If you're married, you could say this. I'm not going to despise my spouse. I'm, if you have kids, I'm not going to despise my children. That's what he's trying to do. You can have kids, they're so cute, but the way they're acting, the enemy injects a negative belief system. Oftentimes he'll do this, even to pastors. I see many people. Let me just ask this question Who is here today, but you've been a part of a different church before? Yeah, okay. So I'm not going to ask you the next question. Don't raise your hand to the next one. But you, some of you left disgruntled. With judgment in your heart against that leader. <laughs> Most of you were trapped. It was a test of honor. But you fell for the trap. And you chose to put on the spectacles of Satan. And view that person the way Satan views that person. And you have judgments in your heart. And you need to repent. You just say, Lord, I bless him. And I repent for those judgments against that person. That is an imperfect person. But you called them. And you're using them. And it's not my job to judge them. I love every leader I've ever had. I love them. I was just with one of them this week. 
brought an offering to him when I saw him. When I sowed a seed into his work. When I said, I love you. Every time I've seen him, I've, I've brought an offering. And I blessed him. Because I love him. Are they perfect? No, neither am I. That's what humility says. Humility says, yeah, they're not perfect, and neither are you. And I say, yeah, no. But by the grace of God. You've walked away from families you were supposed to be a part of because the enemy was able to convince you to view things the way he views things. So that's why I always say, I said, don't speak bad about your pastor. Pray for him. Because they are not perfect. They are becoming just like you. And if you want grace, he says it'll be given in the same proportion in which you gave it. So be careful. Be careful. Don't despise your marriage. Don't despise your children. Don't despise your leaders. Don't despise your boss. You know how many people have left jobs because they, they fell for the bait. God had them planted in a place to be a blessing to that place. But that imperfect boss, Satan was like, yeah, they're doing that on purpose. You know how many times the enemy could try to get me to trap for that? My boss would say, hey, come to work. I got work for you. When I was building cell towers, I was, building, I was going to school full time and I was building cell, cell phone towers at the same time. I would sleep like three to six hours a night. I was, it was crazy. And I would come all the way from Kirkland to Burley Olala. And my boss would tell me the night before, I'll text you if we have work. So he'd text me, yeah, we have work. I'll get all the way in, hour and a half drive. He'd sit there. Tell everyone what their assignments were and then wait. And he'd say, I don't have anything for you today. And I used my last money to get there. I get my car. I was like, don't strangle him. Don't strangle him. (laughs) He did this on purpose. The enemy wanted me so badly to view that person through his lens, to the enemy's lens, and to despise that person. To the point where I would bring him gifts I brought him a a banana bread. And he said, what'd you do, poison it? Because in a sense, he knew what he was doing. If he was intentionally doing it. But that didn't mean I was going to view him that way. Even if his motives were negative, that does not mean it changes how I'm going to respond. I'm going to keep love on. And so I would love him. I would love him and I would love him. And I would bless him. I I called him, prayed for him. His sister had cancer. I said, can I pray for your sister? He didn't believe. He said, yeah, you can pray. Prayed. His son was hit by a train. Son was hit by a train. And I called and I prayed for him. And his son lived. The girl he was with died. His son lived. And he had named his boat. He built this boat. Spent like 10, 15 years building this boat. And by hand, you know. And he named the boat Miracle. You know, but the whole time, I knew God wanted to do something special in this wonderful person's life. But the enemy was trying to make me, a Christian in this company, a bad witness so that whatever God would try to do, they would think of me negatively and think of God negatively. And I could have fell for that trap. But that's what the Lord was trying to do. He's trying to do it in your life too. He's trying to get you to view past leaders, past bosses, spouses, or whoever it is, negatively and to lay them down and to walk away from it. But Jesus says, but I have come. So let's discern and understand what Satan's purposes in that season are. Right? He came to Jesus. If you be, then. And he tried to get him to operate according to Satan's rules. And he wouldn't do it, would he? What did he, how, did he how did he defend himself? With the word of God. 
So have you had an encounter with the Word of God? Do you love the Word of God? You need to. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. What's the word life there? Zoe. It means the God life. I asked Bishop Bart Pierce, the one I just told you about down in Baltimore. Pastor Jerry was there. I said, how come you're 72 but you look 55? He says, I've been injected with life. I said, wow. I'm serious. He looks 55 years old. He's 72. I didn't understand it, and I asked him, injected with life. What did he say? Infused with life. What did he say? Injected with life. And I said, well, I can see it. 72. Any 72-year-olds here? Anyone over 72? 76? Let me tell you, if I had a photo, I would put it up, what he looks like. He, I'm trying to find one of you. He looks so young. He literally looked 55 years old. Most of his color in his hair is still there, a little gray. I go, what in the world? How is this possible? Injected with Zoe. Injected with the God life. I said, wow. That's what God has for you. He has a God life. A Zoe life. He says this. I've come that you may have life in it more abundantly. What's that word in Greek? Say it again. It means to overflow. It means so much so that it, well, you know why it needs to overflow? Look at this guy, 72 years old. I go, full head of brown hair, a little bit of gray in his beard. I go, 72 years old. I cannot believe it. I said, he injected with, with Zoe, injected with life. I said, okay, well, all right. So, so, so the abundant overflow is needed because you're supposed to be a blessing to someone else. God wants your life to abound so much that you become a blessing to someone else. And that's why I said that. Where's Emily at? That's why I said that over Emily. Because when I met Emily, she didn't have a Zoe life. She didn't have an abounding life. But God gave her one. But it's been in her pursuit of God that he gave that to her. A life that overflows, as a, that the Zoe that's in her would overflow and become a blessing to others around. But the enemy's trying to prevent that. I don't want him to do that for you. So I need you to discern what season you're in. I need you to discern God's purpose for that season. If it's your marriage, he wants you to grow. If your children are under attack and it seems like all of hell is coming against your kids and they're having problems, it's a season. God wants to do something good. But are you discerning or are you just giving, oh, yeah, my kids, they're just serving Satan, basically. No, no, no. God has good things. He has a Zoe, abundant life for them. That's his purpose for their life. Don't just give it over. Don't. This is what people do. They prescribe motive. You prescribe motive to your spouse when they mess up, to your kids when they mess up, to your parents when they mess up, to your boss when they mess up. You prescribe motive. And that's, the, that's where you'll be trapped every time, is you prescribe motive. And I've had this thing since I was a kid, even before I was saved. Middle child of 11. 
something happened when I, I was young. And I think it was just the grace of God in my life. But I would ask my brother. He would do something really mean. And I would ask him, why? We shared a bed. Anyone ever have a share of bed with a sibling? You become close. Well, I got 10 siblings, so we all share beds. And I would ask him, and he would tell me, and I would go, oh, my gosh. You thought I said that? I never said that. He said, you didn't? He says, I'm so sorry. We were looking at the same situation from two different directions. And I learned from a young age not to prescribe motive. He was doing that just because he's a mean as a dog. He just, he just wants to see blood. He just wants to see people hurt. No, he thought I had done something. And I said, I never did that. He said, really? He said, man, I'm so sorry. And we just were looking at situations from, and he was just hurt, hurting me out of hurt. Things he thought I did. I never did. So I just tell people all the time, be careful. What, don't look at, I don't try. If I have anything and anyone close to me, all the, all the disciples, all the pastors of the house, my wife, anyone that knows me knows this. And some of those who love me the most love me because of this. I will not view someone in a way that God doesn't view that person. I will fight to protect my heart. I want God to be able to say at the end, man, you always viewed that person the way I viewed them. Even look at the mess that they made. Look at how they treated you. Look how they acted. Look at what they did. And you gave them the benefit of the doubt every single time. Well done. That's what I want in my heart. Now, if I correct you and you think, well, you're supposed to be seeing. No, I want to bring you into what I see. So I'm going to correct some of y'all so that you don't stay as you are that part needs to be removed see what i'm saying that's what a father does what does he say correction is the father's business so i'm gonna have that but it's not because i'm i'm viewing you in negative way no, I'm, i want to bring you into your destiny amen amen so would you stand with me i want to pray for you i want you to begin to have victory in every season you enter who wants victory in every season that they enter? What do you have to do? You have to discover what the purpose of God is in that season. You have to discern that the, the enemy's attack in that season. And you have to make sure you don't fall for the enemy's attack to cause you to lay that thing down for him to take it. You don't want to agree with how he views a thing. That he might destroy the way you view that leader, your spouse, your children, your, your situation cause division in relationship and cause you to walk away from a thing so he can take it from you so that you never fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. I want you to fulfill the purposes God has for your life but you have to grow in discernment. That's what maturity is is growing in discernment so that you will pass every test and you would become the person God has called you to become. Amen? Love, humility, and honor are key components because you will view through love. You'll view through humility. You'll view through... That's how God views things. I want you to view you through God's spectacles, not Satan's spectacles. If you have bitterness and unforgiveness and, and offense, I promise you, you might be viewing this leader out of offense from that leader because you still have the spectacles on. That's why I said you have to repent that means to take those spectacles off. 
because you won't be able to see view me rightly. Some of you have been married twice, three times. You're still viewing your spouse the way you viewed that first person because that's when you got the offense and you're still wearing the spectacles. It's time to take them off. We got to view how God views. We got to discern the laws of heaven so we can become the rulers of the earth so we can become a blessing to nations. We don't rule to control. We rule to spread the dominion, the favor, the love, the healing, the salvation of our Lord and Savior, the King of Kings. Amen? Amen. Lift up your hands. Say, God, increase my ability to discern a thing, both seasons and times. To discern Satan and how he works. And to discern your purpose that it may be fulfilled. It may be protected in my life that I might fulfill the purpose you have for my life in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Bless you. Uh, I'm going to pray a blessing, but if I can get the ministry team, if you need prayer for anything, maybe you're going through, maybe you fell for one of those traps and you're realizing, man, I've been speaking against this person. Listen, here's, here's a way to know you've fallen for the trap. If there's anyone you're speaking against, if there is anyone you're speaking against in your life. You're speaking against your spouse to someone. Oh, man, they just, and you just have this thing and you, uh, uh. if you're speaking against your boss, you're speaking against a pastor, a leader, and they just, man, they're controlling and man, they, they this and they, they, you have something in your heart. Satan's like, oh, I got him. He's got a hook in you. That is not how God views people. Take that hook out. You're still talking about your ex? You're telling your kids, some of you have, have, have to share your kid with, with your, your ex. And you speak before they go, yeah, be careful because they don't do that. That is, the, that is Satan. You're, you're feeding the poison. Don't do that. Don't do that. Speak well. God is watching. You want to pass that test. That's the test you want to pass, okay? You're speaking about a coworker, a boss, a, a sibling, your parents, whatever it is. I'm telling you, you've already fallen for the trap. You need to back out. Say, God, I'm viewing this person through this pain, through this or that. Give me eyes to see him this way. And you will grow to become a, a kingdom person that passes all these tests. Amen. I want to pray a blessing of you. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he give you grace to accomplish and pass every test that you have been in and that you are in. May he lead you by his spirit and may he give you his peace. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I hope you have an amazing uh, uh, Zoe abundant life this week. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you were blessed and encouraged. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more amazing content.